Okay, we should be able to finish Ecclesiastes today. We are starting on chapter 9. These first six verses point to the fact that we live in a fallen world. And the ruler of there, the ruler of this world, is against us. And so people can live according to the principles of God or not and not have the immediate benefit or results that you would think you would get um, if you were living in the Garden of Eden. Now, of course, Jesus came to bring us back to that garden. Um, so, you know, that's that's where we're going. That's where our hope is. But in in this, but even in that life. The Lord uses things that are beyond our understanding to train us so that we might take them as negative and only later realize that they are positive. So even in that sense, um, not everything happens exactly as we would draw them up because we are not infinitely wise. But here, this perspective is more of the broken world and the fallen world and the fact that you see two people, one person's doing everything right and bad things happen. The other person's making bad choices and they're getting lucky and good things are happening to them. And, you know, such is life, basically. So 7 through 9 is says, since this is all true, just, you know, enjoy life. <laughs> you, you can't control these things. There, there's some things you can control, but there's many things you cannot control. And so don't get overly concerned with what you can't control. But just lay it in the Lord's hands and enjoy what you do have. Have a, have a happy heart. Take the attitude of Jesus who, for the joy set before him, obeyed the Father unto death. So we don't see getting crucified as joy. But Jesus saw the full picture of what was happening and counted it all joy. And so saying to us, we can take whatever perspective we want to in life. We can feel beat up by difficulties set against us. Or we can realize the Lord will bring me through. And I'm going to just enjoy the fact that I am the Lord's. And I'm going to do my best to follow you, Lord, in whatever you lead. And I'm going to just feel full of peace and joy that I get to walk this life with you. He says, work diligently. Um, and then he again says, he sees, hey, sometimes the race doesn't go to the swift. And sometimes the battle doesn't go to the best warriors. Or the bread to the wise. Or wealth to the discerning. Or favor men of ability. For time and chance overtake them all. So again, you don't know what you're going to get for sure. So be at peace. Enjoy the moment. From 13 on, there's a parable of a, uh, a, a small city with a few men in it, and a king comes to destroy it. But there's an old wise man who saves them with his wisdom. And yet, so wisdom is better than strength, but yet no one remembers the wise man. And so he's despised, and everyone only remembers the loud shouting. And we've talked about this recently, but such as... Um, the life of the spirit uh, our enemy is loud and shouting gets people riled up everywhere where God speaks with a still small voice 
And, but that is the better way. <laughs> that is the way that leads to life, to wisdom, to love, to peace, to joy. And then we're on to chapter 10. These first few verses are interesting because on one hand, he basically says with a dead fly uh, parable that uh, foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. And yet then the next two verses talk about wisdom taking you on the right road. And uh, the fool walks along the wrong road and everyone can see him, even though he's just walking along. Even by his gate, you can see that he's a fool. But even if a ruler rises against you, if you have wisdom and composure, then you'll make it through. Verse 5 to 7 are basically saying that it's a mixed up world. There's a lot of things that just don't make sense. They don't happen the way they should happen as man judges justice. And again, that we're in a fallen world. So it can be two things. I think primarily here he's pointing to the fact that we're in a fallen world and it just... Um, that just happens. Of course, again, as mentioned earlier, a lot of times the Lord uses the fallenness of the world, the attacks of the enemy, in order to disciple us, discipline us, grow us up into him. Eight and nine basically say there's risk in life. To achieve something, you must take on risk, and that's that's just how it is. Uh, don't You can't try to avoid all risk because then you accomplish nothing. You, you don't live the good life. And so risk is just a part of it. Accept it and move on. Verse 10 says there's wisdom in ways to approach things. So you can chop all day with a dull axe and make little progress. But if you just take a little time to sharpen the axe, you know, the, the novice might think, well, you're wasting time. You could be chopping right now. But the expert woodchopper says, no, if I have a sharp axe, I will chop it down all the more quickly. And so with a sharp edge, you the work is done much faster, even though you didn't start as soon because you spent your time sharpening. Um, and so wisdom has the advantage of giving success. And obviously this is meant to be a parable that applies to many areas of life. We often need to stop and consider, am I going the right way or am I beating my head against the wall? Then there's uh, several verses about the difference between wisdom and folly. Is our work, our effort, our our time, our thinking uh, based on, on wisdom and, and those things that are going to work for our betterment or are we... Are we kind of flailing in the wind because we're we're being foolish about the way we're going about things? Or the way we're speaking. Maybe we should be stopping and listening instead of speaking. The the land with or people with a wise leader is blessed. Uh, and those without are cursed. Laziness and idleness lead to lead to problems. Um, drunkenness leads to problems. And yet uh, a party gives laughter, wine gives happiness, and money gives everything. <laughs> so you see he's a bit circular about some of these things, the, this uh, vapor of life. The last verse, 20, is an important verse. It basically says, even if you're alone by yourself, don't curse the king, uh, because uh, do not curse a rich man. Um, he basically... Those are just examples, but the words that we say, even if we're alone, have power to them. And so, um, 
basically watch what you say because it's important. And then we're on to chapter 11. Verses 1 through 5 talk about being prepared for anything. And so, you know, this is used as an asset allocation thing, um, you know, diversify because you don't know what's going to happen. But it's true also for life in that, you know, I think it's James that said, who are you to say, uh, we'll do this and that, and next year we'll do this and that. Sorry, I can't quote it. Um, He says, you don't know what's coming. You don't know what God's going to do. That's in the book of James. Um, or something like that is in the book of James. Um, but uh, that's basically what this is saying, which is you're not in control of the future. Even when we live the, the, you know, the mature life of a son of God is still a walk of faith where we don't know. Sometimes he shows us details of things to come, but they're usually glimpses. We don't usually know the whole picture of what's to come. And quite often we don't know the vast majority of it. And so we are to walk in faith and he reveals things as they come. And we need to be ready to move left or right as he directs rather than being set on a certain course. We need to be open to the fact that our future may look very different than what we think or what we want. And if we trust in him and walk in it, it will actually be better than what we thought and what we wanted. Verse 6 continues on with that same point. And then starting in verse 7, he, he basically says that, uh, you know, there's much good in life. Enjoy it. And there's going to be a lot of difficulties in life. Enjoy those too. Realize that this is the sum total of life and you are blessed to be able to live it. So have peace in everything. Enjoy everything. Realize everything is a gift from God, and it will go better for you. And I'm not sure what to even make of the the last two verses. Um, It it appears to be saying, hey, when you're young, you're going to do some stupid things. Go ahead and do them. Um, But um, you know you're going to be judged for these things. There's going to be consequences. But put away your grief and anger over such things. Put away the pain. Um, because childhood is fleeting and, and the implication there is turn back to God, um, turn into his way and the ways of wisdom and, and don't allow bad decisions made early in life define you throughout the rest of your life, but instead, uh, you know, seek the Lord and, and find the right path. And enjoy the fact that, you know, you had a good time and and just repent and move on from the decisions you made that were poor and caused consequences. And then we're on to chapter 12. And then he appears to take the opposite advice. The only way I can put this together is he's basically, I think in the end of chapter 11, he's basically saying, look, you've done some dumb things. Just repent and find peace in them. But now turn around because now he's saying in chapter 12, remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. So he's saying these days will come on you before you know it. So turn to the God so that you can enter into his blessing before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened. And then on through chapter 8, it just continues to say, remember God before before it's too late. You, you will get, the older you get, the more set in your ways you're likely to get. And the more difficult it will be to turn back to God. So remember God, turn to God, because in the end, everything else is vanity. Everything else is smoke. 
And then verse 9 to the end basically wraps up. So the preacher is done speaking. And, you know, he, the, the author says he was a wise man. He taught the people knowledge. He pondered, searched out, and arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. So he, now the author is summing up. So, so again, we don't know, is this all Solomon and he's just created a literary device? Is this an actual uh, preacher you know, teacher, prophet type person that he knew and he's relaying uh, these these thoughts and then adding his own thoughts here at the end? We're not sure. But the words of wise men are like goads and the masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. So he's saying these words can be used to discipline your soul, to grow. They are given by one shepherd. So that's kind of powerful. Since Jesus is the great shepherd, But beyond this, my son, be warned, the writing of many books is endless, and excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. So he's saying you can even get too wrapped up in trying to be all about wisdom. Wisdom is not in books, it's in life. So books, obviously, you know, scriptures, that's all important. Other spiritual writing can be important. But in the end, wisdom is about life. It's not about uh study you know study can be a great tool towards a better life but a true wise life is how you live it so with all this being said all these thoughts on how life is what is the conclusion it is fear god and keep his commandments because this applies to every person for god will bring every act to judgment everything which is hidden whether it is good or evil So in the end, it all comes down to you and God. Are you fearing God? Is that the beginning of your wisdom? Or are you fearing other things in the world? Are you keeping his commandments? He's laid down the ways to live a good life and a blessed life. Are you keeping them? Because they apply to every person. Or have you thrown those out for your own way? For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. And that's it for Ecclesiastes. God bless you.